When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Texas Sports Nation podcast. I'm Greg Rogen with the Houston Chronicle. Pleased to be joined today by University of Houston beat writer Joseph Duarte. Joseph, how are you doing today? Um, just like you, waiting for the madness to begin. Technically, does, doesn't it begin in Dayton, Ohio on Tuesday night? Do those games Are those games really part it of March begins Madness? where we are. Okay. So I'm not there, so... My madness doesn't begin till Thursday. Okay. Well, the madness that is of most importance to people in the Houston city limits begins Thursday night when the University of Houston, number one seed in the Midwest region, takes on Northern Kentucky. I had to look up where Northern Kentucky was based this morning. Obviously, it's in Northern Kentucky. I'm talking about the city. In Birmingham, Alabama, they will play on Thursday night. So... Joseph, after covering UH in the AAC tournament where they finished second to Memphis, obviously the result not really that big a deal in in the big picture since they wrapped up their number one seed in the NCAA tournament. What would you uh, what would you say the state of the Cougars is heading into the NCAA tournament? Well, first let's not leave our 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 listeners hanging and tease them. It, it's Highland Heights. That's where Northern Kentucky is located. Highland so, Heights, not too far from Cincinnati. Exactly Northern, right Northern there. So, okay, we got that out of the way. Now, to answer your question, the state of things uh, it hinges on on the the most watch growing in college basketball right now uh, for the next forty eight hours or so because uh, that's the status right now with Marcus Sasser. We don't quite know what the extent of the injury he suffered in Saturday's conference tournament semi semifinals is, but it was enough to, to keep him out Sunday. They aired on the side of caution and the, uh, the next couple of days, uh, even after the tournament opener, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they handled this. Do they sit him in a game that uh, without him, you'd think they could beat a number 16 seed uh, and then what happens on Saturday if they advance? Uh, do you play him a little bit? Do you not play him at all? Do you wait and see if you can get him uh, for the regional semifinal or the Elite Eight uh, round? So that that's where things hinge right now. The, you know, it's not so much, hey, this is a team that, that won 31 games up to this point. A week ago, they were yeah, everybody's pick or close to it of, of being a uh, no-doubt Final Four possible national title contender, and now because of the Sasser injury, you got people wondering if if they're even gonna, you know, make it to the second weekend or you know to the Final Four. Do these people not remember that UH was within a game of going to the Final Four last year without Marcus Sasser and Tremont Mark? So I mean, they've been in this situation before. They have, and and at the same time, that was a a, a very different roster and lineup. They had a lot more veterans. This one 
has freshmen playing some key minutes, uh, notably Jarris Walker, who's in the starting lineup at one of the forward spots. But you're right. You know, Kelvin Sampson's been there. He's done this 34 years and counting. Uh, but that's just the nature of things, how things can quickly turn, uh, how it can shift. And you can go from, you know, a team that, that sort of steamrolled through the through the regular season to now not having your best player, a guy who was an All-American this season. You know, what does that do? Does, how How much does that change you? And that's what we sort of don't know right now because they've played with him all year. Uh, they fell behind 20 to Memphis in the championship game without Sasser, made a run to get within five. But it was clearly a different-looking team uh, with them and without him. If you were a betting man, what odds would you place on Sasser playing Thursday? Less than 50-50. If I was a betting man, just listening to the tone of, of Kelvin Sampson after he got hurt, I would put it at 30-70, 30 being not playing. But I talked to some people today, and you know, there's the factor of rhythm and you know, kind of keeping things sharp. And you know, you wanting to, if he says he can play, play him, maybe don't push him. I remember it was the final four year, Dejan Giroux got hurt in the opener, and they pulled the plug on him in that game uh, early. And I can't quite remember, but I don't think he played as much in the second round or it was, it was sort of really closely monitored. That could be something that Houston does. But, I mean, let's face it. if uh, the, the the It's the long-term look at this and not so much just Thursday. If he doesn't play Thursday, I wouldn't read into that saying, oh, it's a terrible injury. I think it's an opportunity, uh, whether they want to say it publicly or not, to is to to go with these younger players and give him that valuable extra time because by then it will have been one week since the injury if they hold him out until the second round. So, Joseph, other than Marcus Sasser's health, what is the biggest X factor for the Cougars in this NCAA tournament, in your opinion? <clears throat> well, I think I think one of them, Greg, is that you get to the point now where some of the some of the things that have reared their ugly head at times, but not a lot, just can't happen anymore. You know, the the having big leads and letting teams get back in the second half. You know, you look at the Alabama game, they were up 15 and then ended up losing that game. So being able to put teams away now, not letting teams hang around, I think that's going to be big. And then they, they are essentially going to have to lean on uh, the pillars that have made them who they are, you know, defense, rebounding and then have to have and this is the big one because with Sasser you have it without him it gets sketchy you've got to have some guys that produce offensively you know last year against Villanova they all went into the deep freeze at the same time and it cost them and you've seen games this year where uh, they don't shoot particularly well and but still find a way to pull it out you know they've got Jamal Shedd you know they need Tremont Mark to step it up offensively. You sort of hit or miss with Jairus Walker, uh, you know, J. Juan Roberts. So they, they've got to find some type of recipe where they, they get some guys that step up, not so much spread apart in different games, but some of them in the same game to, to help offset if, if you don't have Sasser. I hate to call a conference championship game a throwaway game, 
But was that loss to Memphis really a throwaway game for UH? There was there really anything to be gained? Well, they wanted to. They game? wanted to. You know, other than winning, you know. win. You know, you you go out in the American with the, with the win. You you beat Memphis. That that's a big deal to them. Uh, and and like Kelvin Sampson said, you don't go into any game not wanting to win. But their seed was already set. It sounds like from talking with the committee that they weren't going to be the number one overall seed anyway. So yeah, I mean, if you if you want to use that word throwaway, I mean that it that's a fair assessment. Uh, but there was nothing nothing that they were going to gain from that. And you know, you look at it. We wrote going into that that tournament that the main objective in that whole thing was to to sort of keep sharp and not have an injury. And they had an injury, so that. That that was the worst case scenario for them, and I'll tell you, Greg, being not far from where it happened, when I saw his legs split the way they did, and then his body just sort of dropped, it sounded bad uh, from when he hit the floor to just seeing him uh, in pain. So I'm I'm surprised that you know he went through warmups on Sunday just to sort of loosen up and and see where he's at. Uh, I'm surprised that a week later or less than a week later, we're talking about him even being in this tournament, uh, much less, you know, how much is he going to play? So, Joseph, some off the court news with UH on Tuesday. Marcus Sasser, um, some non-injury related news, became the first Associated Press All-America first team selection for the Cougars since Akeem Olajuwon. That is Akeem with a capital A, not a capital H, in 1983-84. Hard to believe it's been nearly 40 years since that program had a, you know, a first team All-American, but, you know, well-deserved for Sasser and I think a, a real feather in the cap for Kelvin Sampson and this program. Yeah, and, and I don't think years from now we're going to be saying that Marcus went from Marcus to Arcus. He won't drop a letter, much, much less add one. Uh, but in terms of, of what they've done, you know, Quentin Grimes was a third team All-American a couple of years ago. This is significant. You know, you look at what they've done recruiting, getting a a their first McDonald's, well, not their first McDonald's All-American, but like a one-and-done type, and Jairus Walker, and then you add an All-American like this in Sasser. Uh, this, is what, this is what good programs do. You know, th- maybe they're not in that blue blood category, but they, they sort of win and act like a blue blood and look like a blue blood. So uh, deserving. There was a lot of talk in the American about Kendrick Davis being the player of the year over Marcus Sasser. I didn't see Kendrick Davis on the second or third team, so that may end that discussion. Both are worthy, but Marcus Sasser had a a special year, and you don't get a number one seed in the tournament unless you have special players that are doing special things. Very good point. And Kendrick Davis was an honorable mention All-American, the young man from uh, Sam Houston High School, via SMU for you know for the Memphis Tigers wanted to ask you about the bracket I'm not we're obviously we're not going to break down every game on the bracket but I look at this Midwest region that UH was in and it is it is so juicy with subplots and maybe none bigger than the possibility of Texas and Texas A&M playing in the second round so if I ask you today will one both or none of those teams make it to round two um, of those two, one at least. I don't. I don't see any scenario where they both don't make it, and I think they both make it. And I think. I think the bracket 
committee, the, the selection committee, knew what they were doing. It seems like everything, whether it's the College World Series or college football playoff or whatever, I mean, they there's this infatuation about getting these two teams on the floor or the field or the court. And, you know, they're going to play each other coming up. They're going to be future renewed rivals, if you call it that. Uh, but, yeah, that's going to be a big one. And, and, Greg, I'm not convinced that Texas is just a, a shoe-in for that game. A&M played well down the stretch, beat Alabama. Texas, on on the other hand, beat Kansas twice in the last week. It'll be a good game. I don't think it'll be a blowout. And I think the winner of that game plays Houston. If if Houston is healthy and gets you know things righted with with Sasser, I think you have an all Texas final uh, for a spot in the uh, the final four. You know that would be something. You did a, a roundup on the Chronicles website of various expert predictions for the for the Cougars in the NCAA tournament. And a lot of people are picking them to lose to Texas. I think that would be a fascinating game, but I still like UH in that game. Even with, even if Marcus Sasser might not be 100%, I think these guys have played a lot of big games over the years. I mean, we're talking about a Texas team. Granted, it's a little different from two years ago, a lot different from two years ago that lost to Abilene Christian in the first round. But Texas as a program hasn't had a ton of NCAA tournament success in recent years while UH has. If you had to handicap that game, I mean, do you, do you give UH the advantage or you look at Texas beating Kansas by big margins twice, you know, in the past week, week and a half to say maybe Texas is a team that's surging here? You know, I, it was a long time ago in, I believe it was early November, uh, but in the secret scrimmage that, that Texas and Houston had, I was told Houston just was overwhelming against the Longhorns. I mean, that they really put it on them. And that, I know that's a scrimmage and it's a long time ago. Uh, two so coaches they, they, ago for Texas. <laughs> two coaches <laughs> ago. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't obviously use that as, as an indicator, but I've seen Houston in so many big games the last few years, whether it was in the tournament or in the regular season, and they just turn it up a notch uh, when they, when they're in a big game. And, and, but at the same time, they won't be the underdog in that game, or you would think that they wouldn't be because they're the number one. So maybe the pressure's all on Texas. But you're right. Fascinating game. I'd, I'd love to see how defensively Houston game plans for that one because that that's their that's their bread and butter. Uh, you know, if, if they can, you know, keep the game low scoring, uh, it favors them. They like physical games, and and that favors them. Uh, and they just they I, I think it would be a great matchup. I don't I don't see uh, any other team. You know, you're looking at it, it. Does does Indiana maybe make a run, or possibly a you know a UConn maybe? Uh, but as far as Texas and 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 Houston goes, I real I really think you would. Uh, you you would be in store for a really good game. I saw one that would go down to the final possession, one of the predictions. So that kind of shows you what people think the matchup looks like. You know, for the purpose of this exercise, I'm going to assume that UH beats Northern Kentucky because a 16 has only beaten a one one time since the tournament went to 64 teams in, I think, 1985. And that was in 2018 when Maryland, Baltimore County shocked Virginia. So UH moves on. Which team are you more worried about them facing, Iowa or Auburn? 
in round two, if you were a UH fan? I think it's going to be Iowa. But you look at Auburn and Kelvin joked that they should have, Houston should have been a nine seed if you're going to have Auburn playing that close to their campus. Uh, so you, you, you already have Alabama on the opposite side of the bracket that's going to be playing in Birmingham. Uh, and they're in the South. So, I mean, it's, it's a de facto home game for Auburn. So I, I think that would, that would be interesting. But I, I think Iowa would be the tougher matchup for them. And then once you get to the second weekend, man, can you imagine Houston and, and Kelvin? You know, they already sent him to Bloomington a few years ago uh, to, to where he coached and, you know, how things ended. Having them play Indiana and their, their All-American that they have at guard, it, that would, to me, those are the that would be the tough one. Just getting to the Elite Eight is going to be tough, but I think the Indiana game would be, uh, would be the tough draw there. Uh, before before the, the the regional final, you know, as someone who's covered a lot of these NCAA tournament games in the past few years, what is the pressure like on these high seeds? You know, the farther you get into the tournament, like last year we saw UH take care of Arizona. I believe Arizona was the number one seed in that region. UH knocked them off in San Antonio, and then UH you know has that very unfortunate shooting night against Villanova. It just seems like. It's such a razor thin margin in this tournament. It doesn't matter if you're a top seed or like a number twelve. Yeah, I, I think the one, especially once you get into the single digits, it's all subjective in terms of how the committee did the order. But if you're a number one, people are gunning for you, and if there's a reason that there's a, that all four number ones haven't made the uh, the same final four since I believe two thousand eight. So, and, and generally, you'll get two at the most. Sometimes only one. So, I mean, that shows you how tough. During Houston's Final Four run in, in 2021, they beat four double-digit seeds to get to the Final Four because the one through four were all eliminated early in the tournament. So, you know, that just shows you how things uh, can go. And people like chaos. People like Cinderella. They They want to see your bracket just explode and catch fire and you have to throw it in the, the wastebasket. Uh, so uh, there, there's a, there's an added pressure, but a, you compound that with the fact that Houston will eventually have the added pressure of, can they make a Final Four in their own hometown? And you know, I talked to Fran Fuschella, uh, who's a former coach, and he's a, a radio analyst now, and he said he thought that the, that pressure – starts to creep in once you get to maybe the Sweet 16, definitely the Elite Eight. But he also pointed out that Kelvin Sampson is one of the best at preparing on a game-to-game basis. And, you know, I try to ask Kelvin about it in the press conference, and before I could finish the sentence, he stopped me and was like, no, (laughs) this is not an issue. We will not make it an issue. So take that for what it's worth. But Houston, uh, Houston might be one of the better equipped number ones from a mental standpoint. You know, we that storyline about UH possibly playing the Final Four in Houston is a big one, but so is Jim Nance, you know, his final NCAA tournament, and he's going to be calling the UH game on Thursday night in Birmingham. How much of a surprise is that to you, and should we expect to hear Nance on every UH game, you know, during this tournament? Do you think he'll be in that Kansas City regional if they make it to the Sweet 16? You know, you know, we had some time, including yourself, Greg, uh, beforehand talking with him on some conference calls, and I thought they mentioned that Greensboro 
would have been an option or or maybe somewhere out east would have been the option. So I was a little surprised that that they got assigned to uh to Birmingham. I mean, they put the A team on on that regional. Maybe it had something to do with with Alabama also being in there. So he gets Alabama and Houston. Uh, but no, this is this is going to be a a really fun time uh, towards the end uh, if you're a Jim Nance fan and what he's meant to college basketball in the Final Four and all the stories that he has. And, you know, up until a few years ago, he had never called a Houston game. And then he's had probably three or four, including, you know, the Final Four run, uh, that that he's that he's been there uh, for the run and he enjoys it. You know, he joked and caught himself saying "we" a few times on the on the call that we were on. I, I'll be interested to see what the betting line is if he says goodbye, friends, instead of his famous "hello, friends" to to begin things. Maybe he does both of them, but uh, it certainly will be the end of an an era uh, when when he calls his last game on April third. That's for sure. I just want to finish up with a couple more questions for you. You've got Houston as a one seed, Texas as a two seed, Baylor as a three seed. Is this like an apex for Texas college basketball this season and this tournament? I know you had UH and Baylor both in the Final Four two years ago, but has it, has it taken up a notch this year? You know, that was a pretty strong uh, right there, just having the, the, the two like that. I think what, what makes this uh, special is that you got some teams now that you hadn't seen in a while. You know, Texas hasn't been a juggernaut or a team that had Final Four potential. You know, Texas A and M. If you would have asked me in December after seeing them in Fort Worth at a uh, at a at a tournament that they would be uh, number two in the SEC, I, I would have laughed at that. And then you look at TCU and sort of what they've gone through. So if you throw in TCU and 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 then you have Houston, yeah, this is this is a pretty good. Uh, run for a season that we haven't seen from Texas schools in a long time uh, across the board. But, you know, Baylor won it and Texas Tech was in the championship game uh, in 19. But this is a uh, this has been a banner year for them because, you know, these are high. These are all high seeds in the tournament. I'm getting a vibe with Texas. I'm not sure how accurate this is, but if you remember Michigan in 1989 going into the tournament with an interim coach, kind of like Texas is doing this year. I'm not saying that Texas is going to win it all like Michigan did that year, but similarities are kind of spooky. And I want to ask you about one other spooky similarity. Every time UH has made the Final Four, they've come out of the Midwest region. Is that just a coincidence or a good omen for Cougar fans going into this tournament? Well, they haven't won a championship, so I'm not sure if it's a good omen or not. But Well, you got to ma- making it there is tough enough, you know. <laughs> right. Uh yeah, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way, but you know it it is different, and, and and maybe it's just the geography factor. You know, the committee did say that 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 is a a key component, and it just that happens to be that way. Honestly, I thought they were going to go out west, and I think they were going to go out west until Texas beat Kansas in in the Big Twelve championship game. There's a lot of people surprised that Kansas with the 18 quad wins quad one wins that they did not go to Kansas city or did not get put in the, in the Midwest regional. And, and I'm one of them because I thought that that probably was going to be the case. So uh, let's just hope, I guess if you're a Houston fan that you, uh, you finish the job and, you know, Oh, by the way, it's the 40 year anniversary 
of the the North Carolina State game that it's still the game that no one wants to mention uh, all these years later. It's it's still too soon for a lot of Kook fans. Yes, yes, it is. Joseph Duarte, thank you very much for your time. Look forward to reading all your coverage from Birmingham later this week, and hopefully we'll be chatting again next week ahead of the uh, Sweet 16. Yeah, let's do it again. For more uh, UH basketball coverage, please go to HoustonChronicle.com slash sports. Thank you for listening to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. <laughs>